0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then you will stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, We ate and drank in your company, and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. I mentioned in a homily some time ago about two religious sisters, two nuns, both of whom were saints, or so was the thought. One of them I mentioned was a poor Claire. She was older when I first met her, she became more and more crippled she would wave I didn't know that she was a saint until after she was dead and were we changed by her perhaps for a while she was certainly edifying but was there a radical change in us who knew her maybe not The other one was a a nun who was in bed with bone cancer and was for a long time. Suffered horribly. But she was always joyful when we saw her. Always pleasant. Were we changed by being around her? I think to some extent, for a while anyway. For a while, she always made made you want to feel a little, to want to be a little bit better. Back in 1989, a number of us went to Rome. We were present for a mass that was celebrated by Pope John Paul II. And afterwards, we were allowed to go back to the sacristy to meet him. And we kissed his ring and he grabbed our hands. He had a firm grip, I remember. It was very exciting. But were we changed by? But were we changed by it? I'm not sure. Some people were. Some dramatically changed as a result. Many not. You may have had the experience of having a moment in your life when things seemed to change and to change radically. It's a moment of ecstasy, perhaps. And then it passed And he went back to being what we call normal, more or less. That often happens in life. We're around holy things, holy people, but we aren't much changed by it. Today's gospel is about that. Our Lord is going to Jerusalem. Remember, he's always going to Jerusalem in the gospel of St. Luke. Is going to his suffering and death. And someone asks him a question Lord, will only a few people be saved? Our Lord doesn't answer the question directly, He says something other. He says, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. What is the gate? He is the gate. He is the gate and his church to the body of Christ that he has given to us. As he tells us, the church is the gate. We must enter through him. He was on then to say, for many, I tell you, will attempt to enter and will not be strong enough. Without grace, we cannot be strong enough. We can't do it. And so it is often with us in our lives, in the course of it, that we are near to holiness. We do that when we come here. We are present to the Lord. And he then tells them that you will ask the door to be opened. And I will say, I do not know where you are from. Then you will say, we ate and drank in your company and you taught in our streets. They were near him. They heard him. They may have even touched him. But they weren't changed by it. And he says, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. He's speaking to his own people to a great extent. He's saying, you cannot assume that because of your national descent, because of your race, because you are Israelites and Jews, that you will be saved. He speaks about people coming from the east, the west, the north, and the south who will accept what they have heard and be changed. So it's a matter of loving obedience, then, that determines our presence in this kingdom. Therefore, We must assume that we are open to this change before anything can happen. We are willing to accept the reality of God's grace and to be transformed by it. But as I said, in the presence of the Eucharist, that should be enough to make us different people. But the change doesn't seem to take place, or often doesn't. You know, in the course of a lifetime, there are many opportunities given to us. But we can seem to be able to sit in a blast furnace and not melt. We can ignore the reality of the heat around us and not be changed by it. You know, in the course of the history of the church, there have been some saints who were changed gradually. St. Augustine changed gradually. He didn't want to change right away. St. Camillus kept going back to gambling before he finally changed. St. John of God took a while. And You know, even the apostles, when you see them in the scriptures, at first they responded to the call of God. When they called, when the Lord called, they came. But they kept wandering. We see them as very defective creatures. They want to follow the Lord, but they aren't doing a very good job. And even when Judas is mentioned in the scriptures... They usually refer to him as Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, to drive home the intimacy that was there and should have been there with the Lord. And of course, throughout their lives, they were always growing. They were never finished in their journey until the very end when they entered the kingdom of heaven. Up until then, they were still very much weak characters, but with the grace of God and after Pentecost, they're very different in their response. And so, we have to see ourselves that way. You know, as I said, some saints were slower. St. Augustine prayed to be changed. He prayed to be radical, but he didn't really want it right away. He took his time. St. Ignatius had a beautiful prayer. He had many prayers, actually in which he prayed that he would become a radically different person. And he meant it right away. His conversion took a little time, but not all that long. He had a prayer I'd like to mention, one I'm sure you've heard before. But a prayer that I think sums it all up in a way. It's one of those prayers that's difficult to say like the prayer of blessed Charles that we're called, or the litany of humility. We can say it, but how much do we really mean it? And what he said was, dearest God, teach me to be generous. Teach me to serve you as you deserve. To give and not to count the cost. To fight and not to heed the wounds. To toil, and not to seek for rest; to labor, and not to ask for reward, save that of knowing that I am doing Your will. That sounds rather pleasant, doesn't it? Initially, but think of it, dearest Lord, teach me to be generous. All right, I can accept that. That's that's a good prayer. Although, you well. Know, Teach me to serve you as you deserve. All right, that sounds very safe too. But then, to give and not to count the cost. Hmm. Very often when we give, we count the cost. And we want other people to know it too. To fight and not to heed the wounds. I think that's the most powerful line in that whole prayer. To fight and not to heed the wounds. To toil, and not to seek for rest. To labor, and not to ask for reward. Save for the knowledge that I am doing your will. If we can do that, then the kingdom will be ours. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come to you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son, And trusting in your love and mercy. For the church throughout the world, that her members will always respond heroically to the call of the gospel. For the church suffering, the church in our own country, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For all nations of the world, especially our own, they will come to know the church pray for all those running for public office and for peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For all those who are sick and suffering, they may know that they are united to the cross of Christ in their suffering. For all those who suffer from spiritual illness, for those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost the faith, we pray to the Lord. For a greater respect for human life, especially in the woman at the end, we pray to the Lord. Lord for an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women will respond courageously to the call of the gospel. For a greater respect for the prophetic nature of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, for the American hierarchy, they will truly be courageous and outspoken in these difficult times, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died on the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disasters. Especially those who died recently in acts of violence. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, we will be quick to respond to the grace that we have received. We will be Prophetic in our own lives, we pray to the Lord. Lord our we now join our prayers to those of the Queen of Prophets as we say.